Well, good morning again, and glad to have you with us. As I came in this morning, uh, I sat and I saw this, and I said to myself, so should we just have a fireside chat, <laughs> or, or should we do something different? But I think about how Vicki came up and said, is that okay? I said, it's great. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and i got to do the pillow correct, right? <laughs> so, very, very cool. Great. Well, we have been looking at the whole, the whole idea of Scripture and spending some time talking about and thinking about the Word of God and, and walking through different questions and, and different things for us to think about. And this morning, as we walk through the journey, I want to encourage you today to ask the question, how do I study the Bible a little bit? How do I do that? How do I take time to sit down and study the Bible? And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. So we've talked about spending some time in, in Scripture. We've talked about meditating. We've talked about Bible reading. But sometimes we come to this point in our journey, we say, you know, I would like to maybe dig down a little bit more. I'd like to kind of sink in a little bit more in what's going on in Scriptures and study a little bit. And so what I've put together for us this morning is a simple outline, six steps to think about. And here's what goes on with these six steps. It's not necessarily boom, 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 boom in order. They all kind of happen all at the same time. So as you think about these things, we're going to walk through them one at a time, but they don't have to necessarily all happen in this sequential order. But let's begin with the first part. And we're going to identify, it says, read the passage you are studying a few times. So what I want to do is I want to read the passage, then we'll have a word of prayer, and we'll continue to jump into things. you think we can do that? All right, let's do that. So when you read through the scripture, we read through these verses, and I picked this passage to look at because this is one of those verses that I've been thinking about and reflecting on a fair amount. So this is one of the ones I wanted to pick on and, and, and choose to walk through today. And he says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and, and any, anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll kind of continue to jump into it. Father, I thank you for the time you've given us this morning, and I thank you for the privilege of just as we have been looking at your word and thinking about how your word impacts our lives and the importance of us delving into it and spending time in it. And Father, this morning as we ask the question, how do I study the Bible and how do I kind of go a little bit deeper? Father, I just ask that you would guide our time and make it beneficial to each of us. And Father, help us to continue the journey of learning and growing so that we can continue to be more and more like Jesus. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, so, we read it once, and we're going to read through things a little bit more, but one of the things I would encourage you to do, when you sit down and you say, I would like to study the Bible, and I think when I come to a point, I want to kind of delve into the scriptures a little bit more, and you find a passage that you want to delve into a little bit more, one of the first things I would encourage you to do is to read it over a number of times. Now, you're going to look down at the bottom of your page, and as you see, reading for this week, you're going to notice that I encouraged you to take time and kind of dive into three separate passages and kind of do that over the coming week. So one of the first things I would encourage you to do is just to sit down and read those verses and read them over a few times. Just kind of read them over two, three, maybe four, five, maybe six or seven times. And part of the value of that is you just start to kind of start to ask questions and you start to kind of instinctively start to walk through the things that 
we've laid out here for you to think about. But I would encourage you, the first thing to do, if you're going to sit down and start to study the Bible, is to start reading the area that you want to study and just read it over a bunch of times. And one of the things I would encourage you to do, and I say this a little bit later, sometimes even read it in a different translation. Now here's what's cool. We have a bunch of English translations. We don't have a bunch of English Bibles. Okay, let me draw that distinction. There's one Bible. But there are many different translations. Okay? Now, what happens is there's different approaches that people make. So like the ESV, when I'm going to read from that in, in, in a little bit, but the English Standard Version, I'm going to encourage you, we're going to talk about resources, I'm going to talk about that in a second, which is an ESV, kind of goes word by word. And so it kind of goes word by word, but like an NIV or the Holman Christian Standard, which is what we've been reading now, kind of goes theme by theme or idea by idea. And so they just lay out what's taking place in the text a little bit differently. They're still giving you the same thing. They just might phrase it a little bit different. Has anyone ever translated something? Has anyone ever do that? Few of us have. Some of us here speak Spanish. And, and so when, when someone comes up to you and says, okay, well, I, did this, I did this a number of years ago. I was in Mexico. I was speaking. And a Mexican pastor was translating for me. Okay? And I said, good morning. My name is Andrew. The next thing you know, it goes, Andrew. And I'm thinking to myself, said a whole lot more than I think good morning my name is Andrew <laughs> now what happens He's, as you translate there's different ways to say it there's different ways to go about it Okay. now you're still getting the same thing one person might take path A and another person might take path, path B you're still getting good morning my name is Andrew but it might say they just might use different words to say it. That's the fun part of looking at different translations. One Bible. But there are different translations. And here's one of the things I would encourage you to think about. All the translations that we have available to us today are excellent. And when we sit down and we read them, they're excellent. But sometimes they might use a different word in a different place because they think a different word is better or they might structure the sentence in English a little bit different. And we go, oh, I get that. So I would encourage you, as you start to study and as you start to sit down and read scriptures, to take some time just to read through the scriptures a number of times as you go through that process of starting to study. Now, here's the other big part, and I think this is a really, really important part. Consider the context. The context is really important. Now again... I enjoy reading. Have you ever been reading and you come across a word that you don't recognize? Has that ever happened to you? Yes. You come across that word and you go, I don't know this word. But what do you do? You go back and you reread the sentence. And oftentimes as you're reading the sentence, the very way the word is being used in the sentence starts to give you an idea of what the meaning of the word is. It's different than a vocabulary test. You get a vocabulary test, it's just there in a paper. And you've got to know it cold. You've had to have memorized it. But when you're reading something and the word shows up in the context of the sentence, you start to maybe understand a little bit what the word means because it's not sitting there all alone. It has a context. And as you're reading through scripture and as you're reading verses, they exist in context. There are things that are being said in front of it and there are things that are being said behind it. In particular, as we sit down, we read these verses in the book of Galatians, one of the things we would recognize is that God has been talking to the church of Galatia and people have come into the church and have started to say to individuals in the church, listen, if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to go back and keep the law. And you need to live by the law. And you, you can't just put your faith and trust in Jesus. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus and you need to live by the law. And so that's a large part of the conversation that's taking place in the book of Galatians. 
And so even as then you start to look at these verses in the context, when you look at the verses ahead, some of that conversation is taking place about the tension between living in the law versus living in God's grace. So you want to take and kind of read around the verses you're looking at and get an idea of what the conversation is that's taking place because it helps you to understand the context. Now, I'll give you an example. Drives me nuts all the time. I don't always say it, but it drives me nuts. Now I'm going to quote a verse that you guys have all heard. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there is God in their midst. You know, who, who's, who's ever heard that verse before? Okay, most of us. Drives me nuts when people get together and say, well, you know what the Bible says? Wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, God is there in his midst. That's not what that verse is talking about at all. It's talking about discipline. It's talking about church discipline. And what that is talking about is that when people come together and there needs to be issues of church discipline, then you read that verse in the flow of its context and it says, when two or three are gathered together in his name, there I am in her midst. It's talking about God is in the process of agreement when we come to a point of needing to bring discipline in a person's life. It's talking about God in a place of agreement. Because here's the reality. How how many people do we need around, if you're Christians, followers of Jesus, how many people do we need to have around us before God is present? One. That's right. That's right, just one. And I, I love other areas of scripture too, but look at Ephesians 1. One of the promises of Ephesians that says is that the Holy Spirit, God gives us the presence of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance in Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And now this also is important because we're going to be talking about living by the Spirit versus living by the flesh. So if the Holy Spirit is present in your life, who's present? I didn't hear you. What's that three-letter word? Who's present? God is present. So I don't need one or two more people around to have God present. Because God's here right now all the time. And that's part of the promise. that I don't, have, I don't go anywhere where God isn't present with me. So, so context is important. It is important. All right? So, let me look at my notes and see what else I have missed here. So, look at verses 16 and 17. As you kind of look at that here, then you start to look at context. So Paul starts having this conversation, or continues this conversation with the church in Galatia, continues this conversation that's taking place in the book of Galatians. He says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's present in us, walk by the Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit in your life, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. And again, he's identifying the tension that exists here. And this is, but this captures the whole and lays the groundwork for the conversation that follows. Now, we look at the bigger picture of Scripture and we understand from the bigger picture of Scripture, the larger context of Scripture, that we wrestle with sin, don't we? And it's called the flesh. And so as he's having this conversation, he's talking to the church in Galatia, guys, listen, you're wrestling with the flesh versus wrestling with what it means to follow and listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. And he's talking about that tension that's going on. And that's part of the argument that's also going on between law and grace. Look at verse 18. This connects us to the verses that have been following, and it also connects us to the verses that come after. He says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. 
He keeps coming back to, and he's going to be talking in these verses about being led by the Spirit versus living by the flesh, but he's also drawing that connection. He's saying, listen guys, look at the bigger conversation that's going on here. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. People have been coming in and starting to tell them a lie. You need to follow the law to honor God. You need to do follow Jesus, believe in Jesus, and do the law. And Jesus is, and John Paul is going, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to worry about the law. The law is dead. The law is gone. You don't need to do that anymore. You just need to trust God and live by the power of the Spirit in your life. Now, Look at the second half of verse 17. This is the other thing that goes on. It starts to capture the, the picture of what's going on. It says, So the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. Do you ever find yourself at times doing stuff you know you shouldn't have done, and you said to yourself, I'm not going to do this, but you turn around and you're doing it? That's the whole conversation that's going on here. Why? Because we're wrestling between the flesh and the spirit. We're wrestling between what we, what we are naturally inclined to before Jesus and now we're wrestling with what Jesus wants to do in our lives as he has come in and taken residence in our lives through the presence of the Spirit and we've become followers of Jesus. And now the tension is I want to honor God by listening to the Spirit but I still wrestle with my old patterns of sinful thought and sinful attitude and sometimes I'm still doing stuff that I know I shouldn't do, that I don't want to do but it's, I feel like sometimes it's hardwired in me and I do that when I shouldn't. And so we see the tension. He's talking about the tension that's going on. Any of you ever feel that tension? Now, see, this is when most people don't want to raise their hands. I don't want to sure I want to admit that. See, everyone's hand should be up at this point. Because all of us feel that tension. See, I like how you do that. You scratch your head a little bit. I'll pull my hand up a little bit. I'll scratch my head. But, but no, but the reality is all of us should have our hands up and all of us should be saying, yes, I feel that tension. I feel the reality of that because there are times when I know I should be doing A, but I end up doing B. And I know I shouldn't be doing B. I shouldn't be doing that. But I battle this stuff that goes on inside of me. And that's a really, really real tension that all of us wrestle with. And Paul's having this conversation about how to find victory and what it means to live in victory in that tension. Now, here's the other fun part. We can go to number three. I said here, keep some resources or tools handy to help you make sense of those things that you may not understand. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think hands down, the first most simple tool anyone should have who's a follower of Jesus is a good study Bible. Now, I checked on this last night just to make sure. This is under $30 on Amazon. So it's not like crazy expensive. Put it on your Christmas list. Set aside a little bit of that Christmas money, but get a study Bible. Now, this is an ESV study Bible. There are a number of very good study Bibles. The NIV study Bible is very good. The ESV study Bible is very good. We're going to use the ESV. For me, and I'm going to, you have another reference that we're going to see in a few minutes. I use a bunch of study Bibles on my, in, now, by the way, I talk about this and I have, this is my, this is my primary tool. Okay? Because on my computer, I have my Bible. But when you walk into my office, you would walk into my office and you would see two big walls of books. I have more books and more resources on my computer at this point than I have on the walls of my office. Okay, so for me, my primary resource, my primary tool at this point is on my computer. And so most Sunday mornings when you see me up here, you don't see me holding a paper Bible, but you see me using a digital Bible because most of my resources are on my computer. But all of us would really benefit from having a really simple tool to use. Now I like the ESV because the ESV often does a good job of answering those questions you have. Some resources have lots of pages and lots of words, but you come to the you come to that resource and you say, "I'm really wrestling with this right here." And he avoids talking about that thing right there. Don't you love it? 
when that happens. But I love the ESV because it really helps to answer many of those questions that you wrestle through. And they don't avoid and they don't dodge. So they do that. But here's a couple things I would say to you as you think about that. As a rule, try to think through what is happening first before you consult a resource or a tool. Try to think it through. That's the value of continuing to read through the verses a few times. This way you start to understand what's happening in those verses. Because here's what's... Two things. I've told you before, I don't underline and I don't mark my Bible. And I do that for this very reason. I don't want to have my thinking shaped by something that I saw or read previously. I, whenever I come to the scriptures, I want to come in a fresh, new way. So that's one of the reasons why I don't mark up my Bible. And that's one of the reasons why I would encourage you to try to spend some time reading and thinking through what's going on to it in a text before you grab a resource. Because as soon as you get the resource, it starts to send you down a path of thought. Now, what is the quickest... No, no, listen. I don't, I don't want to qualify this. How do you get to Philadelphia? Even as I ask that question, immediately, you're all, we would have a number of different ways on how to get to Philadelphia surfacing through our conversation. Some of us are going to say, oh, you go out to the 37, you turn left, and you get on 70. Others of us say, no, you get on the parkway, go south, go to the next exit, turn left at the Wawa, go out, turn right, and then you hit 70 later on down near the other Wawa. Others are going to say, no, 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 no. You get in the parkway, you go all the way down the Atlantic City Expressway, and then you take the Atlantic City Expressway. And someone goes, no way, I'm not paying a toll. You go down the Atlantic, well, I'm not going to pay the Atlantic City Expressway toll. You go down a little bit further, and then you catch that other road that goes along the Atlantic City Expressway, and you go that way. And then in the middle of all of those other things, you have so many side roads you can take. Here's what happens when you go to a tool, when you go to a resource. It gets you on a highway. It gets you on a path. And oftentimes, you don't think about the other things that are happening around it. So that's how come you want to go to a tool after you spend some time thinking about what's going on in the verses. Because this way, you're looking at it fresh, and you're seeing a multitude of things maybe that are, that are happening on instead of just being given one thought process to think. Does that make sense? So that's one of the things I would encourage you. So number one, have some tools because sometimes... Now, I surprised someone the other day. They were um, profiling me as a male. I asked for directions. And they weren't expecting that. You know, because males aren't supposed to read instructions or follow directions or ask for directions, you know? You, 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 so, when Christmas comes, dads take the instructions and they throw them away. They just sit down and they try to figure out how to put it together instead of sitting down reading the instructions and putting it together according to what the instructions say. And of course, guys, you know, they get in the car and they just point in a direction, they hit the pedal and they start to go. And they don't look at a map, they just go. So I was coming to the setting and I, and I asked for directions. And I'm like, you know, yes, I'm a male, I asked for directions. Okay, sometimes we come to a spot where we say, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do here because I'm not sure if I should go left or right, straight, or should I backtrack and go a different way. And so this is when you have a resource because now you're saying, okay, this is where I'm at. Can you help me to figure out where I am and then how to get to the end point from here? That's the value of the resource. Does that make sense? it's also really valuable to try to figure out how to get there first before you crack open the resource. Now, I'm not saying that with maps and old Christmas stuff. With that stuff, it's great to use maps. In fact, I hate it when I set something up on my phone because I want to go a certain way and my phone changes it. Does anyone have that happen to them? It just drives me nuts. I hate it because sometimes I want to go the scenic way and it takes me right down the highway. Oh, it drives me nuts. Joy of technology. Okay. So, as you can see here, quickly consulting a resource tends to hitter your own observations and aha moments. And those aha moments are fun. They're great. Like, oh, oh, oh! I, oh! And you say, did you see this? 
That's fun to have those aha moments surface as you're looking at God's word. Can use resources to help you avoid mistakes. Now, here's one of the things that's important. How many years has the Bible been around? How many years? The New Testament's been around for 2,000 years. Okay? 2,000 years. The Old Testament was completed around 2,500 years ago. Do you think at the end of 2,500 years you're going to find something and see something that brand spanking new that no one has ever, 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 ever seen before? Probably not. Okay? So the part of the value of looking at resources it also helps us to make, avoid making mistakes. You know? You don't want to make mistakes. And having a resource helps you to stay on track. You don't want to go to Philly and end up in Colorado. Okay? You do want to get to... If you're going to Philly, you want to get to Philly. You're going to New York, you don't want to end up in Boston. So looking at the map, looking at the tools, helps you to avoid some of those mistakes. Now, the fun part also is comparing translations. And, and we could do that, but I won't do that this morning. NLT is really fun as I look at this a little bit. But I want to share two resources with you that I think are interesting. So... You start to look at these resources and they start to give you a, a broad conversation about what's taking place in these verses. So this is from the NIV Biblical Theology Study Bible. It's a study Bible. It's just one of the ones I use. It says the alternative to life under the law is not a life in which the flesh expresses itself without restraint, but one directed and empowered by God's spirit. This is part of the value of a resource and just gives you a little bit of insight as to what's taking place. It's just a simple little statement that says, as you start to read these verses, as you start to work through these verses, recognize that he is talking about the tension of living not under the law, but living by the presence of the Spirit. And it doesn't mean you're free to do whatever, but rather it means we are free to start to live according to the power of the Spirit. Here's another resource, and this is from the ESV. Now, I copied this from the ESV that I have in my Bible, on my computer, but let me read it from here. And just so you know, what this says here is exactly what it says there. And let me turn to that spot I marked it. So tell me if I'm wrong. So I'm going to read this. It says, The desires of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit. Life under the law expresses itself in the, in the works of the flesh, but those who live by the Spirit bear fruit pleasing to God. See, again, you're just give, being given just a slightly different hint, a slightly different idea through a resource that's giving you some direction as you've wrestled through the text a little bit. And there's value in that. And again, I would encourage you to get a resource. A resource like this, really simple, under 30 bucks. Probably most of us at this point in here have some form of a membership in Amazon. 30 bucks. Christmas present. And if you don't have 30 bucks, come talk to me afterwards. We'll, we'll, we'll help you get it figured out and we can, we can get, we get you covered. Simple. Okay? But a, a, just a simple resource. Number four. What words or phrases stand out? Are there, are there comparisons or contrasts to consider? And there are. So look at verse 19. It says, Now the work of the flesh are obvious. So as I look at this, this is a phrase or this is a statement that stands out. He's saying in, in these verses, The works of the flesh are obvious. Joan and I were sitting down and talking to someone the other day. He was a cowboy fan. He never told me. I felt bad for him. He was someone, ooh. But he was a cowboy fan. How did I know? He was wearing a sweater with a cowboy star. It was obvious that he was a Cowboys fan. 
Now, this is particularly, we, we were having, we were talking to this guy on Friday, and I was particularly feeling the pain of the Cowboys, because the Cowboys just trounced the Giants. Okay? So, and I grew up a Giant fan. So, I recognize that star. Don't like that star. But who he cheered for was obvious. Okay? He was bearing the markings, the evidence in his life that he was a cowboy fan. It's obvious. And what these verses are saying now, the, the works of the flesh were what? They are obvious. They're really, really clear to see. These types of behavior, these things that people do, those things are works of the flesh. Now, but then, jump down to verses 24 to 25. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What are we seeing? We're seeing the tension that's going on here, right? We're seeing the whole conversation. Now this is after some of those things, but he's still identifying there's this tension that's going on between living by the flesh versus living by the Spirit. There's a tension that's going on. What, and we saw this from up above, from the verses that he set up above, that I want to do those things, but I struggle doing those things. And he's, he set it up above, I think, in verse 18, and now he, or 17, and now he says it again down here in verses 24. That there's a tension that is going on in our life choices. And God wants us to live by the Spirit. He does not want us to live according to the flesh. But there's that tension, that rub, that competition that's going on. And recognizing that that's the conversation that's taking place in these verses. Now, all this making sense so far as we're talking through this? We tracking? So these are great things. And... and As I said in my notes, I said we can and should live differently because we should have crucified or died to the flesh. See, that's the reality, and that's an important part of the conversation. Because as he's wrestling through this whole tension between the flesh and the spirit, if we're a follower of Jesus, and that goes back to the bigger conversation that's taking place in in Galatians, but if we have come to faith in Christ, what does Jesus want us to do? Put to death the work of the flesh and be alive, embracing the work of the Holy Spirit as he wants to work in our lives. Let him do that. kind of like this. You hop in the car. Who do you give authority to drive the car? Okay? Of your life, who's going to sit in the driver's seat? Is the flesh going to sit in the driver's seat and drive the car of your life? Or are you going to let the Spirit of God sit in the driver's seat and drive the course of your life? Who's going to sit in the driver's seat? Yeah, it should be God. But that's the tension point. And so again, as we look at this, we're asking the question, is there tension? Is there things versus one thing versus another? And so again, we're asking questions. And there's other questions you're going to ask too. But it's great to just ask lots of questions. And you see things, oh, this is going on. Oh, that's going on. And what's funny is you start to write those things down and then you start to answer those questions. So that leads us to the next one. Ask questions about what you are reading. That need to be answered. There are questions that surface when we read that need to be answered. So, Romans. Well, let, me just, let me just look at read through this here. Question number one I have here. Is there another way to understand what the works of the flesh are? Okay? That's the question I, I put down. He, he says there that the works of the flesh are obvious. Okay, so what are the works of the flesh? He gives a list. But the reality is we recognize that the works of the flesh is sin. And, and how do I understand that? We'll look at the next question. Why are those who are doing the works of the flesh not inheriting the kingdom of God? 
And for me, I looked at Romans 1, and I won't read that now, but in Romans 1, what you see consistently through the Romans 1, verse 18, down to the end of the chapter, we've, we see this conversation that Paul is having with the church of Rome, and he's talking about how those, these individuals have exchanged the truth of God for a lie and have turned themselves over to. And he talks about patterns of behavior, sinful patterns of behavior that they have turned themselves over to. And those things that he's talking about are in the list that he gives here in Galatians. But here's the other verse that stands out, and we'll look at this verse, and this is Romans 6 verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of sin is death. Now, here's the next question I ask. What is going on with verse 26? It almost does not seem like it fits the whole discussion. We'll get there in a second. But, as we wrestle through this, we have the wages of sin. Now let's go on to verse 26. What's going on in verse 26? Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What's been going on in the church is people have been looking at each other and watching each other. And they've been deciding, I'm better than you because of the ways that they're behaving. And they're saying, I'm going to be better than you, so I'm going to keep the rules way better than you. I'm going to keep the law better than you, therefore I'm holier than you, I'm better than you. And Paul is coming back and saying, no, it's not about going back to the law. It's about living in the Spirit. It's not about competing with one another. It's not about measuring ourselves against one another. Do you notice that that's what happens a lot in our culture? We measure ourselves against other people. Isn't it always easy to find a scoundrel that's much worse than we are? Well, I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. Therefore, I'm okay. And we have this constant sliding scale that we measure things on. We shouldn't be doing that. Living by the Spirit. See, if we are asking ourselves, how am I doing living by the Spirit? That's something that's going without the curve. But it's not about whether or not we have relationship with God or not. It's really a question now for us to ask and answer, how well am I walking in Christ? It's not about my demonstrating to you and saying to you, I'm doing better than you're doing. Because if I'm walking well in Jesus, there's not boasting, there's not pride. Right? If I'm walking and living by the Spirit, there's not boasting, there is not pride. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, there's humility. Now, all this making sense so far as we go through? So then, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to go all the way back to the top. I forgot to put this in, Tony. If you go back up to verses 15, 5, 16 to 26. So I'd like to read through the verses again. And I'd like you to listen as we walk through. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not certainly, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pause for a second. Here's a question that I thought I asked, and maybe I didn't see it. But I asked the question, why don't these people inherit the kingdom of God? And is it because they are not inheriting the kingdom of God because they are doing these things? Or is it something else? And the answer is they're doing these things because they're living by the flesh. But they're living by the flesh because they have not yet come into a relationship with Jesus. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So they're not going to avoid God's blessing because of one of these specific patterns of behavior. They're avoiding God's blessing. They're avoiding God's presence. Or a person could say they're not going to go to heaven. 
because they've chosen not to have a relationship with God through Jesus. Therefore, they are still under the wages of sin. The verse goes on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, what's interesting, you go through the, the list of the flesh and all the things that happen in the flesh, there's lots of laws against that stuff. You're not supposed to punch someone else. You're not supposed to murder. And, and, and we have all sorts of laws against those things because they are destructive and harmful and damaging. But the things that come from the presence of God that God wants to be present in our lives, there's no... Have you ever heard of anyone being picked up and thrown in jail for being kind? I'm sorry, you've got to go to jail. You, you, um, you, you were helpful to this, to this person right here, and you can't be helpful. I'm sorry. Listen, you're being too friendly, too kind. It's annoying. Off you go. To the slammer. No, you don't, you don't, get, you don't get locked up and put away for these kinds of things. Gentleness. You, you're too gentle, too kind. You're too patient. You're way too gracious. Listen, I can't tolerate you because you're way too understanding. No, these are the things that should be coming out of us that God wants to build into us. These are the characteristics that the Spirit wants to build in us. And these are the kinds of things we want around us, not those kinds of things we want to avoid. we live by the Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if we say, I'm living by the Spirit, then I should kind of line my steps and keep up with them, right? You ever walk with someone and they walk a little bit faster than you and they'll walk a little bit slower than you? And what do you need to do? You need to adjust your pace so that you stay with them. And that's the whole challenge. Adjust your pace so that you're staying with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now let's go down to number six. Thank you, Tony. So, I would encourage you to ask two questions as you're studying. Question number one, how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my life? Question number two, what should I take away from this study? It might be something we're thinking about. might be something that will be a change of behavior. might be, be a fuller understanding of things we're going to apply to other areas of life. So let me give, give you two that I'd look at. Immediate context. I have a filter to be able to see how well I am living by the Spirit. For me, this is a huge one. When I look at the tension between the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, you don't have to turn there, but let me go back and just read through these things again. As I, can, as I watch my life, I have the option. I can look at my life. And so it says, again, it says, verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. So I can look at my life, and I can watch my life, and I can ask myself the question, Andrew, how you doing? Are you... Are these things present in my life? Andrew, these behaviors, these attitudes, these, these choices of life going on in my life, then Andrew, if those things are present in your life, then it's really obvious that you're living by the flesh instead of living by the Spirit. I have an immediate filter that I can use when I look at my life. It's not a filter that I should be using to look at your life. It's much more a filter, I think, that I should be using to look at my life. For me to help to say, Andrew, how well are you walking in connection with the Spirit. Andrew, how well are you keeping step with the Spirit? Are you walking side by side and walking together, or have I taken a tangent? In contrast, as the verses go on, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What I love about this is this gives me an immediate filter for me to look at in my life and ask myself the question, how am I doing? That's huge. Because I want to walk with the Lord well. 
I want to walk and stay in step with the Spirit. And so if I want to do that, it's great to have an immediate, automatic, very quick filter that I can use to look at my life and to say, how well am I doing? And if I'm getting angry, if I'm getting ticked off, if I'm starting to throw language that I shouldn't use, if, if I have things starting to surface in my heart, in my attitude, that doesn't align with the fruit of the Spirit, then what do I know is going on? I'm giving room and I'm giving space to the flesh in my life. And therefore, what do I need to do? I need to back up, I need to stop, and I need to look at how I'm reacting, and I need to say to God, okay, God, I'm not managing this well at all in my life. Would you please help me to apply your work and live by the Spirit instead of by the flesh in this moment? Now again, we talked about this earlier, and I highlighted this earlier, because what is going on? He's saying, let me find that spot. What, what is against the flesh, the Spirit desires what is against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want. What's going on? The reality of that tension, that struggle that's going on in our lives. We're wrestling with this in a very real way. All of us struggle and all of us wrestle with honoring God as opposed to giving room to the flesh. We have an immediate tool, an immediate resource to use in our lives to ask, how well am I walking today with Jesus in this moment? And we can use it all the time. But here's the other conversation. In the bigger picture of the context, the fruit of someone's life I'm sorry, I got number five in there. I don't know how that happened. But the fruit of someone's life helps them to see if they are under grace or under law or sin. And here's the other big value. It's not for me to judge your life a whole lot. That's really not what I should be doing. But it gives you the opportunity to look at your life and really ask the question, is God present in my life or isn't he? Is God present or not? And look at your life and ask yourself, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit present in my life or is the fruit of the flesh present in my life? And if the fruit of the flesh is present in my life, then you need to ask a question. Am I in Christ? Am I walking with Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Have I come to a point in my life where I put my faith and trust in Jesus? That's an important thing for us to wrestle through because one day we are going to close our eyes and one day we are going to enter into eternity. And those who have not come to a point of having a relationship with Jesus are not going to enter into God's presence. They're going to go to the place that is called the lake of fire. They're going to go to a place of judgment. And so it's a really healthy and really appropriate thing for us to ask the question, am I in Christ? And again, what does this do? This gives us a great tool, a great filter through which to look at our lives and ask ourselves a question, am I in Jesus? So it gives us an opportunity to kind of look and ask questions about the reality of my faith. Am I in Jesus or am I not? And then for me as a Christian, it's a great tool for me to say, how well am I walking with Jesus today? How well am I walking with Jesus in the circumstances that are going on around me right now? Am I responding like Jesus or am I responding in the flesh? Two great things to help us. But how do we get there? We get there by taking some time to study the Word. We get there by asking questions and thinking about what the Scriptures say. And that's really beneficial and something all of us can do. All of us can do. Let's pray together. Father, I want to say thank you again for your richness and your goodness to us. Father, I thank you for your word and for the practicalness of it, the, the helpfulness of it. And Father, I just ask that as we get ready to head into this week and as we wrap up things this morning, that Father, you would build into us the character of Jesus and help us to really understand and know what it means to walk with you and to know you. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about this tension we've been talking about all this morning where he says, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And at the end of him wrestling with the tension, he says this in verse 24 and 25. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, the tension is real, but thanks be to Jesus Christ who came and died to save us. Uh, if you're here and you've believed in Jesus, Jesus has come to save you from this body of death. Thanks be to Jesus. I dig into this more to find out who Jesus is, what he's done, and how he will get you to the end faithful. But if you're here and you've never believed in Jesus, you are sinful. You have this body of death and your only hope is Jesus. Put your trust in him. Wrestling with the tension is worth it. What we're going to do is we're going to have the offering plates come from the back forward. Um, if you're new here, please feel free to let it pass. There's, there's no pressure. And what we're going to do is we're going to stand and sing. Thanks be to Jesus. I mean, that's as we sing, we're thanking God for who he is and what he has done. So uh, let us pray and then we will sing. Oh Lord, what a wretched man I am. We all are. I pray you will remind us all of our sinfulness and our need for you. Without you, Lord, we have no hope of even following your spirit. I pray for those who do know you here that you will help them to wrestle with the tension. Help them to run to your word and show them how good you are. Help them to be faithful to the end. And if there's anyone here, God, that doesn't know you, I pray that you will please show them their need, their sinfulness. Help them, like Paul, to be able to say, thanks be to Jesus, our Savior. I pray you will bless this offering, Lord, so that we can continue to preach your word here. And I pray also for the missionaries we support, that they will continue sharing this good news. Thank you, Lord, in your name.